by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Son Timothy says, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. In other words, he's preaching the, he's preaching the word. He said, now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You see the progression? It's the word of God on down to who learns it. To, they teach it to somebody else who will teach it to somebody else. And that's God's way. But what happens when the, when the chain gets broke? When somebody just holds on to the word of God and gets scared and don't feel like they have anything and they're not growing in their faith enough to share it with somebody else? Well, the chain is broken. But how many more would it have went on if everybody would just share what they know? We're in a series called It's What We Do. Last week we talked about our what. What do we do? You know, I'm... If you're new here and this is your first time here, you're catching us in the middle of a series, and today's going to be more like a teaching. It's not going to be a shouting message. And I asked the Lord about that. I like, I like talking about the Gospels, what you did, Jesus telling the stories and everything. But no, remember last year Jesus told me to, I felt like the Lord told me to be intentional. Remember that was our word for a while. And when God wants to share something with you, whether it's coming through teaching or preaching, i got to be obedient to what God wants to do. I mean, I'd like to stay in this presence and in these, and get the praise and worship team back here much as you. But, but what you're going to leave with today is what God's concerned with. And so I believe, I'm not mistaken, we're going to move on. Today's message is part four. We all start out rookies. We all start out rookies. And is that true? Do you look back at your spiritual growth over the years and have to laugh at some things that you did I have to pretty much cry <laughs> I got saved saved I was one of those guys that was so saved man everybody knew it as soon as I got saved they were like dude calm down you, you know what I'm saying I ran more people off than I brought into the kingdom just because they were they thought I was nuts and the, the one of the Worst things that I remember, I wish I could take back, kind of, but I really don't. That's just part of growing up, you know, is we used to have prayer like we have on Tuesday nights, but it was at the old building, and I got saved over on the old building in Colonial Hills, and we had about two or 300 members at the time, had this prayer team just filled with these prayer warriors. I mean, that they were veterans. Some of them had been praying, standing in the gap for God, intercessory prayer. They knew all the names of the different prayers, and they were just prayer warriors, and they would pray, the, the house of fire, you know. And I would go, and, I, and, I, and when I got saved, whenever the door was open, I thought I was supposed to be there. And guess what? I was. <laughs> okay, so I ended up going to this prayer group. But me, being prideful, just a new babe in Christ coming out of the world, man, I had to lead whatever I was involved in. So <laughs> they started praying, and I would jump up in the middle of their praying. They was, you know, they, they knew how to pray a little bit, but I knew everything at this point. You know, I'd been saved almost a month now. And so I would take over the prayer, and I would pray down the, you know, fire from heaven, and I'd end up crying and everything, and I'd be so on fire and passion for God. And uh, you know what those prayer warriors would do to me after I would, the prayer service was over? They'd pat me on the back and say, we'll see you next week. We're so glad you're coming. And then they'd look at each other and go, no. <laughs> no, they didn't do that. But I imagine they did snicker a little bit. Another thing that I wish I could take back, I really wish I could take this back more. The worst thing that I ever did, being a younger Christian, this is after I'd grown a little bit. This, this wasn't too long ago. This was under Pastor Paul. I was on his leadership team. So that tells you I should have been a little bit more mature by that point. But we were having a leadership meeting, and he asked the question, and I'll never forget it. He said, 
Should we keep going door to door on our outreaches? And I don't know, I guess it was the devil or something popped up in my mind. And I said, and I spoke out and said, Pastor, I think that's old. I said, that's the way they used to, you know, the old way they used to do it. People today, you know, you knock on their door. They're not going to come to the door. They don't want you there. They're going to be combative. I don't think it'll work. I, don't, I think we can find different ways to reach out. We can have bands play or we can have all these things and we can do something to attract people, you know. And I had ideas. I thought I knew everything. So we stopped doing door to door for about a year and a half. Then the Lord began to deal with me. And one, the next leadership meeting after that, I, I said, Pastor Paul, I was wrong. We're supposed to be going door to door. And I have regretted the year or year and a half that we didn't go to door to door because of me. <clears throat> but, you know, we all make mistakes. Look at your neighbor and say, you ever made a mistake? <laughs> Last week we talked about what are we doing here. And we've been talking about it for some weeks. So like I said, if you come in in the middle of this, we've already established what we do. Coke makes cola, Chevy makes cars, Ford makes, well, you remember. <laughs> and we make disciples. And like I said, we, we went through Matthew 28, the Great Commission says to go into all the world and make disciples and teach them of all my commandments. So we learned to go and teach. And then we went to Matthew 11 where he says, come unto me all you that labor heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And then he said, learn of me. So we come and we learn that we may go and teach. It's kind of a wonderful thing. And so we, we make our abode in the middle midst of that. That's the way we're supposed to be. We're not just supposed to be coming and learning. And we're not supposed to be just going and teaching because we ain't got nothing to teach if we're not coming and learning. But we keep that going. Like the Apostle Paul told Timothy, I'm going to tell you and you tell somebody else. And that's how the kingdom is spread. And that's how discipleship is done. Is the church here to make spectators or disciples? That's a good question, isn't it? It's, it can be a huge balancing act to, to be a church that really cares enough to make disciples. I mean, anybody can throw up more lights and smoke and, and hire a magician or something. I don't know what some churches do, but they, you know, they're there to fill the seats. But to actually fill the seats with people who are changing and who are spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and giving out the love. And not just takers, but they are in that process. That's a huge balancing act. You, you got five major pillars that make up a healthy church. I think I borrowed that from Rick Warren's book. But anyway, it, but it's so true. You have your worship. You have evangelism where you go out and tell people. You have discipleship like what we're talking here. You have fellowship, times where you break bread together and such. And you have ministry. Whereas you minister to people that need help and you give them a shoulder to cry on and such and you give them advice and all these things. You need all five of these to stay in balance as a church. And no one pastor or no one person can do all these things. You know, it, it takes more than just one man. And it doesn't need a village. It needs a family. It needs people that care about one another to do this. So... We, we all need to be involved. Um, there's a graph also that I showed, I think, a long time ago that has uh, rings. And on the outside ring is the community. And so we have passion for DeSoto. We have passion for our community. And then you have the crowd. That's the people who come and they check you out and they say, do I like this church? I, do I really want to invest in and godly things at all. Do I know? Do I want to give my heart to this Jesus? Then you have the congregation, those who have decided to stay with us here. And, you know, they may be coming regularly, but they haven't become the committed. And you keep going inwards. And you find those that are committed, that are willing to work in the back, willing to tithe, willing to give into the, the ministries of the church, willing to sow their, their investments and their, their uh, time and their sweat and tears here 
to make sure that God's work is done here. You have the committed, and then you get down all the way to the core, to those who have matured to the place where they're running things around here. And they're really helping make, you couldn't do it without them. So in that movement towards the center, what you have is the movement equals growth. It equals a healthy church. If there's movement inwards, if you were once in the community but you came to the congregation and you decided to stay and became committed, then next thing you know, you're, you're, you've worked your way up to the core. You have been moving towards the center of God's will. And that makes us a healthy church. We need things in the church that facilitate a movement from where you are to the next place you need to be. And you never really arrive, right? So there's always healthy movement that needs to be taking place. And that's how a church really is supposed to grow. In Ephesians 4, 6, it says, He, meaning God, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy. See, the whole body is healthy because everybody's pulling their weight. Everybody's on the same page. We're in one accord. We're in one mind with one purpose. That's why these banners are so important. I'm not just making this stuff up. This is where we're going. This is who we are. This is vitally important. If we don't know where we're going, then what are we doing? And I think it's awesome that God has given us this stuff. Some of it's so basic, like, yeah, we, what we do is we make disciples. But we need to discuss that. How do we make disciples? And why is the importance of making disciples? If you want a body that is healthy, it says, and growing. Where there's health, there's always growth. If your fingernails are growing, it's because your fingernails are healthy. If they stop growing, you need to go get them looked at. Right? If your hair stops growing, it's not healthy. Rick always looks at me when I say something about hair. I'm sure if you had some hair, Rick, it would be healthy, okay? So, so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Can you put that first pyramid graph on here? I asked her to uh, load this. This is the way... Church in America has been done for many years. The average church, everything we do, everything we focus on is what it says on the side there. It's always pointing towards the Sunday service. So the Sunday service is the pinnacle. All the praise team works all week to get prepared for Sunday. The pastor prepares to get ready for Sunday. Everything is about the Sunday. And in a lot of churches' minds, if we can just have the best Sunday service, that's what's going to fill the seats. It's going to make people want to come to our church because we have these wonderful Sunday services. But guess what? It's not working. If that was working, we've had you know, people come to church that we have the most wonderful services. We're not putting you know, the things on the overhead projector anymore, like churches were behind for a while. We're, we've caught up with society and all that. But it's, it's not. In fact, America is on the decline as far as Christianity goes. Have you noticed? We're losing the fight. And it's because we've made it about a, a one-time-a-week thing. If you come on Sunday, you'll be good the rest of the week. You're not asking anything of anybody or anybody to grow. But here's what I believe Jesus would have the church do. Can you show the next one? It's about making disciples. Now, I will continue to prepare for Sunday mornings, and the praise team will too, thank the Lord. Sunday service is important, but it's just a tool to get us to making disciples. You remember the old graph I, I pulled out that's in my office now? It says connect, or it says gather, connect, develop, and mobilize. And if we keep going in that circle, that creates health, and that creates movement, and that movement creates growth. And, and the top one is gather. That's what we do on a Sunday. The Sunday is just a gathering point, but it's not the whole wheel. We've got everything that we do and everything that we 
Every program that we start here needs to be under the, the guise of how is this going to make people stronger? How is this going to do the five pillars that will make people stronger in their faith and move them towards the center? Is this, any, is this making sense? Now, like I said, we're talking church stuff a lot, but we're fixing to identify where we are at on this next graph. Can you show the next graph? Now we're going to get a little personal. We've been talking about the church. But this is not to embarrass anybody. We're just going to find out where we are so that we'll know where, where to grow. And we're also going to be able to, to understand after we get through talking about these things, where other people are at and how we can help them grow. If you don't recognize somebody's an infant and you're talking to them like, you know, they've been in the church 30 years, you're using all this Christian lingo, you're going way over their head. It'd be like me having a little baby here, you know, and, and expecting them to get, all right, I need you to vacuum the carpet and, you know, why, why? That's what most adults say, but no. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start just at maybe 12 to 1 o'clock there. You see, can everybody see that? This is the graph you see that it's all turning that way. The arrows are pointing. This is the, the movement that we want to see if we're going to create disciples and grow a healthy church, dead in Christ. We put that one on there because that is a condition. That is the condition of probably most people in America. They're dead in their sins and trespasses, according to Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And so you can't disciple a dead person. Until they get born again, the only thing you can do is get them saved. So the main focus when you, when you recognize somebody is dead in their sins and trespasses and don't have Jesus, it doesn't do any good to pull out five scriptures and tell them how to live their life better so that you know, they can be happy on the way to hell. Okay? There's one thing you do to a dead person. You have to bring them back to life. And Jesus took care of that on the cross. Now, the way we're going to talk about the things that you may hear people say in these different groups. Um, first of all, let me give credit to John Putman. His book, Disciple Shift, is where I got this graph from and some of this information. But I thought it was so wonderful, and I thought it was so relevant to, to growing disciples that we needed to hear it. Do y'all agree that this might be something that we need to know? You don't say yes just because I'm the pastor. But if somebody is not saved, the way they talk will usually identify them. They may give you little clues like, I don't believe in God. <laughs> you know, that, they might say that. They may say the, the Bible is a book of fairy tales. I don't believe the Bible. Religion is a crutch. I don't need religion. I, I'm good. I'm a good person. Who are you to say what's right or wrong? You'll hear them say things like that. I'm spiritual, but I just don't really connect to any one religion. And so when you hear things like that, you know right off the bat, they're not saved. And there's no sense in me trying to help them move along in their Christianity because they're not Christians, right? What do they need? They need love. They need prayer, and they need a clear explanation of the gospel. And so, if you're going to minister to the lost, you need to brush up on your ability to, to uh, present the gospel. How to get them lost so that you can get them found. And if you don't know how to do that, we have literature in the back that tells a basic plan of salvation. And if you read those basic scriptures and begin to get an understanding of how you got saved and why you got, needed to get saved or whatever, you can explain it to somebody else. It's very, very simple. So after we, they are born again, and that's, it's funny that Jesus used that term born again, right? Because you may be 80 years old, but the moment you accept Christ in your life, you become an infant. Infant in spiritual matters. You may be old in the flesh, but you're brand new in the spirit. So understand that we're not necessarily talking about age when we talk about these things. You become an infant, newly born again, new life, but just a spiritual baby. First Peter 2, 2, Peter says, like newborn babies, 
You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of, sal of salvation. So, the milk is, is the, the easy part of the Word of God. It's, the, it's, it's the, the stuff that anybody can understand. The Bible is written on many levels to speak to even to children that they can understand. But as, and when you're first born again, you need to drink milk. You can't eat this strong stuff yet. You're not ready for revelations, maybe all the way. Okay? And prophecy and those deeper truths. But you just need to know that God loves you. You know, you need to know how to, that you, you're supposed to be different and, and just the basics. And so it says, crave that spiritual milk so that you will grow. And that's what we're talking about. Discipleship is growing into the things of God and the full experience of your salvation. So just like natural babies, you're holding them. They can't walk. They can't go anywhere. They don't listen to anything you say. They need a lot of care. And attention. So once somebody is born again, they come into the church, they may be like I was. Excited there every time the, the doors are open, but they don't know what they're doing. And their lives are characterized by it's still mostly about them. Everything, you know, is I'm just here what God can do for me. They have a lack of knowledge, obviously, because they hadn't, they're new. And so they try to mix in things from their world experience. They don't understand we're supposed to come out from among them and be separate. They try to mix in the things that they have in their world. Uh, babies are time-consuming for, you know, the parents in the family, right? Like a lot of late night getting up and all these kind of things. But it's so rewarding to watch those little babies grow. It's so rewarding. I mean, they're so cute. And they, they bring life into the family. It's like you see somebody on fire for God. They just got saved. It re reignites your first love. And so they're so worth it to in, in, invest in. The way you know that somebody is a baby Christian, you may hear them say things like, I didn't know all this church and Bible stuff was so important. It's awesome. And they might say things like, I don't need anybody else. It's just Jesus. They may say, I know Jesus is God, but isn't karma too? Isn't, isn't karma real? And, and I love my horoscopes. I'm not going to have to stop reading those, am I? See, they're trying to mix things in the world, and, and they're not, they, they're just, they don't know. I was in an infant stage when I took over that prayer meeting for weeks in a row. <laughs> Right? I didn't know what I was doing, but I was gung-ho. Infants don't know how to feed themselves spiritually, pretty much. They look at the Bible and say, oh, and they probably got a big old King James, and they don't understand Old English, and they're like, I don't know what to do with this thing. And so, if they're like me, when I was young, I started reading in Genesis, you know, and I'd read two or three chapters and say, I'm through with that. You know, they need help. They need somebody to show them that there's a New Testament and that the places they can read a whole chapter in a, a city. They need some, some instructions, some guidance, where to start. And you can give that to people. Another thing, they're, they're deceived easily. The devil comes immediately to steal the word out of an unexperienced heart. He, he comes to deceive you and say, and, and, and get you believing. That's why cults are so successful. They catch them while they're babies and catch them while they're young. They try to move them over. Like natural babes, infants in Christ need a lot of help. I uh, wrote this. We need to share our life with them. That's what, that's what discipleship is, basically. We need to bring them to the truth. Keep pointing them to the Bible. Keep showing them how we live by the Bible and how this is, this is your answer right here. I mean, even if I say something, don't just take everything I say. Look it up for yourself and teach them new habits. So if, you, if you're an infant, hey, enjoy it. Enjoy your time as an infant, but grow. God will expect to grow. He'll pull that little baby blanket out from under you at some point and make you get up and walk. He will. <laughs> We all want to stay in that little cocoon where God's just loving on us as a newborn, uh, born-again person, but he won't let you stay there. He wants you to get up and walk. Now, keep in mind, like I said, when, I'm, when I say uh, 
Some Christians will stay babes their whole life. You'll have some people born again, and they go to church on Sunday, and they never, they never plug in, they never grow, and they stay spiritual infants their entire life. They can be 80 years old, been in a church 50 years, and they're still an infant. So we're not talking about maturity in, the, in age, in years. We're, t- we're talking about where they are at in their maturity level. I've been saved for 20 years. But I've been searching for the Lord hard for 20 years. I feel like I'm more mature than a 20-year-old. But, you know, the average 20-year-old is going to act like a 20-year-old, even in the faith, unless they're really mature for their age. So you can see how it correlates with our, our age, but it's not necessarily the same thing. Now, let's go ahead and move. To, you can go ahead and keep that thing up if you, if you got it. The next uh, place on the chart is a child. The same progression as in, in natural life. You're an infant, you, you crawl, you get to where you can get out of that baby bed and, and you become a child. Now children in the Lord are still quite self-centered. They're still thinking, what can I get out of this? But they're beginning to use biblical principles by this point in their life. They're beginning to see the value they may be overconfident, like I, I know I was, prideful about their knowledge. This is a point in their life, uh, in their Christianity, where they may begin to get a little self-righteous. They may begin, oh, I know things other people don't. And so they, they may be, this is where they begin to develop critical spirits if they're not led to not be like that. They need some humility to go along with the knowledge. You know, it says knowledge puffeth up. So they, they need a little help with their, you know, their pride issues. They will serve in the church, but only if the benefits outweigh the cost. So you'll ask them, do you want to work in the nursery? You've been here six months and your children are, you know, in the nursery. We'd like, we need help back there. Could you help? And they'll say, hmm, how many times do I have to work? Uh, what do I get out of it? You know, and if they go back there and everybody's, treating them nice and everything, they may stay, but if it doesn't go their way, I, they're still they're going to back out. You know, It's just immaturity still in them. They crave approval, and they need to be rewarded a lot. But guess what? Isn't that just like regular kids? They're only going to do what's good for them. They're growing in their faith. So don't get mad at them. You see, what, helping to identify these things will help us to understand where people are coming from. And you, you don't get mad at a kid for acting like a kid. Isn't that right? So we, we cut people some slack here. They often need someone more mature to talk them down. They'll get built up. Well, I don't like the way things are running in that department. I think I need to do And you just, hey, come here, let me tell you. We, we don't like strife and stuff here. Let's just, let's calm down and let's talk about this. And let's see the big picture. And so that's the kind of thing, they need patience. They need to ever be connecting to their purpose. They need to show them that they have purpose, and the things of God are important, and they need a deeper relationship with God. But it's coming. If they'll keep growing, these things are coming. Maybe some of you are, are locating yourself so, so far in this, and that's good. You don't have to tell nobody where you're at. They already know. Just kidding. <clears throat> So after you become a child, what comes next? You become a young adult. Amen. Now, by the time you're becoming a young adult in, in the things of God, you begin to see the value in it. You're beginning to reorient your whole life according to the things of God. These, these people are becoming a little bit more mature. They're, they're, they're making their own decisions. They don't need somebody to tell them everything about the things of God. They're learning for themselves. They're learning the joy of giving. They're learning the joy of showing mercy. Things that the, you know, the, the infant and the baby, they, they weren't going to do. It was all about self. But now God's love has had a chance to work in a little bit. You know, and they're sensing their purpose. They're growing in their gifts. And they're re- willing to serve where needed now, not because it helps them or benefits them, but because they see the greater cause. They're becoming dependable and faithful. 
And sometimes I like to quote that scripture, a faithful man, who can find? It's very rare in the society that we're living in. If we want to just, in the church, you know, compare ourselves to people in the world, well, we're not going to get anything done. We got to go have a higher standard than the world. There's no faithfulness in the world. You got to have a contract for your Burger King in the world, you know, because, you know, there's no faithfulness in the world. But in the church, we got to have it. That's how the church operates. I was in that young adult stage, I believe, when I told pastor that we shouldn't go door to door. I should have known better. That's what hurts me because I did something immature for my age. <clears throat> Someone that is a young adult may say things like, you know, I haven't seen Charlie and Fran at church in a couple weeks. I think I'm going to give them a call, check on them, just to make sure they're all right. They may uh, say, look how many people are at church today. It's awesome. All these lives getting changed. <clears throat> I didn't even tell you what the, the child says, did I? I skipped the, th the child thing. Went straight to, well, maybe you don't need to know. They may say, can you help me understand this passage? Showing a little humility like they don't know it all. They may come to somebody else and say, I've been studying this. I just, I don't get it. What do you get out of it? They're willing to trust others' opinion and not think that they have it all together. Maybe I'll go back and tell you what the kid says. They may say, let me tell you about that person I had a chance to witness to this week. They're excited because, you know, they're learning to give out. What we need to do with young adults, we need to equip them. We need to give them confidence we need to release them for ministry we need to say you're ready we need to push them out into the ministry field and let them spread their wings even if they make some mistakes you know and uh provide opportunities for them to do this they you know that's what that's what the biggest challenge is for leadership here at the church is to provide opportunities for each of you to grow in these different levels and in, in the place in the walk that you're in you know what is our mechanism for taking babies and helping them grow to, you know, children and children to young adults and so that they can use their gifts and so forth? You know, uh, then they moved to the parent stage. And that's a natural progression. And then parents, you know, once you have that responsibility as a parent, you mature kind of quickly, don't you? It's a different level when you become a parent. When you're a parent in the things of God, when we say parent, we know God as our heavenly father. We're not saying that there's any, that we're fathers or whatever, but we're saying that our maturity level is like that of a parent. We begin to watch over the flock. You begin to be spiritually mature, keenly interested in making disciples. So while the rest of you are sleeping, those parents in the spirit here are keenly interested in what I'm saying right now because this is your passion. How can I help somebody? How can I help somebody grow? You have a solid understanding of God's word and you have a deep abiding relationship with him by now. You're kingdom centered and you understand that you're totally dependent on God. You can't get, you can't get through the day without him. You're not perfect. And you don't claim to be. You're quick to ask for forgiveness. And, and uh, you study the word, not just for yourself now, but so that you can help feed others. Is that touching anybody in here? You recognize where you are spiritually. And you're quick to recognize where other people are. Because you're a parent. Parents can sense things. And if you're a parent in the body of Christ, you can talk to somebody in here you know, a couple of minutes and you can see where they are in their spiritual development and you're already formulating things in your mind of how I can help them grow. They may say things, parents may say things like, I wonder if Bob allow me to speak into his life. I wonder how I can get a chance to talk to him. Pastor, when's the next baptism? I, I, was, in, I was talking to some people at my job and two of them got born again and now I want to get them to come to church and get dunked, you know. They may say, 
I've come to ask your forgiveness. You know, when we talked the other day, I felt like I was a little rude. I came off a little strong. There's a sense of humility in them, right? And then you'll hear things like, Pastor, I've been working with Jim, and I think it won't be long. He'll be ready to come up to the next level. He can take my place, and then I can do whatever else you need me to do. They're always working themselves out of a job at the church because they're helping other people come up. That's what parents do. Parents work well with other parents. Now, they don't have it all together. Nobody does. And one of the things that parents often still lack is the, the, the knowledge of how to lead and organize very well, how to delegate authority. They feel like they have to do everything because they know everything. And, and sometimes releasing responsibility to someone else is a problem. And sometimes, guess what? They burn themselves out like that. And so you have to talk them down too because they, this is too much, it's too much. I can't, they don't know how to say no to anything. They're, they're so excited about Jesus, they say yes to every uh, thing that somebody asks of them. And so they can burn themselves out if not careful. So even as parents, even when you get to the more mature levels in the things of God, you still have to ask God, what am I supposed to do? They need to be, these parents need to be given freedom and trust. They need to be saying, okay, you know, me as a pastor, somebody in here has, has risen to the level of spiritual maturity of a parent. And they, they say, what if we did this? I need to be able to say, you know what? You're the right person for that job. You go do it. But, but I'm, not real, I'm not qualified. No, I, I trust you to do it. I trust you'll get it done. And then once they do it and they fail, they come back and you say, how's that feel? You know, failing is part of succeeding. And give them, you know, you give them guidance or whatever, but, but you let them fail sometimes. And that's, a, that's part of growing. We're all going to fail at every level here. And, you know, I feel like I'm, my level is probably, as a parent, you would hope as, you know, the pastor here, that, that I've reached, I feel like a young parent is what I feel like. I don't know everything yet. I feel like I have reached maybe a young parent level. But I can tell you, I make as many mistakes at this young parent level as I did in any of the other stages. Because we're fallible and and failing is part of growing. So you're going to make mistakes at all these levels. Then uh, it's going to be okay. God is always the one that's perfect and we're not. Romans 12.3 says, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you are better than you really are. See, what we're trying to do today is discover where we're at on the wheel. And if we're going to be honest... Some of us are saying, well, I'm a child, but really you're still a baby. Because we always see our own lives through rose-colored glasses. So don't think of yourself better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. That's how honest people grow. Measure yourself by the faith God has given us. In other words, give God the glory. Because every stage of your growth and development is by trusting Him more, by your, the faith that you have in God and the faith that He has given you. So you grow and you give God the glory, but you never stop growing. That's the key. Don't sit there and stagnate. Don't say, well, I'm, I've got enough of the Jesus that I, I got all the Jesus I want. That's not acceptable in God's eyes. He doesn't like cars in park. He likes them in drive. He can't steer a parked car. And guess what? Discipleship happens in all these stages. It doesn't wait till you get spiritually mature for you to begin to disciple somebody. Somebody, if you've been born again, if you got born again at the outreach yesterday and you came in here today, you know, you can begin to disciple your own children. There's somebody you can begin to share your testimony with the lost. We all have the lost that we can work on, right? And so discipleship works coming and going. Remember? Come and learn so that you can go and teach. Come and learn so that you can go and teach. 
So that's, that's part of your motivation to never stop growing because other people, God is depending on you to reach them, to teach them, your own children, if nothing else. Do it for their sakes. Do it for the sake of the people on your own. It happens at all stages, and it should be celebrated. A culture celebrating disciple makers will create a culture of discipleship. So we celebrate when we see somebody helping somebody else. You should be getting help, and you should be giving help. And when we see that happening, we're excited. Now, keep in mind, did I say parents were more important than infants? Is there any stage more glorious than the other? They're just different. We all start out rookies. Isn't that the title of the message? We all start out rookies. We're growing. We're all needing help. And you never arrive. The work that he started in you, he will complete on the day of Jesus Christ when he comes back. So you never get there. Grant Skelton says, Discipleship redeems every age group because you never become obsolete or unnecessary. You never do. You never get to a stage where you're unnecessary. And you never start out in a stage where you're unnecessary. We need those babies to bring the life into the church, to remind us of the joy of our salvation. And it all may be easier than you think when we talk about discipleship. I'm not talking about learning 50 scriptures so that you can be some spiritual giant and speak, you know, like Ed the horse into somebody's life and you can be C.S. Lewis or somebody, you know. Charles Spurgeon, you, uh, when I get to this level, I'm going to help somebody. No, what I'm talking about is making godly friends for a start here at the church. Friendship is discipleship. Participating in the fellowships that we have. Maybe having your own fellowships, calling somebody for, to lunch after the service today. You know, do something, host, host a, a fellowship. Just doing life together with other like-minded people. Iron sharpens iron. When you get Christians together, those ideas flow, and they rub off on you, and, and their excitement becomes your excitement. You know, it was relational discipleship that Jesus practiced more than anything else. I got the statistics here. Dave Ferguson says the Gospels show that Jesus spent 73% of his time with the twelve. Really, he was with them 100%, but I'm talking about how he ministered. When he was ministering, 73% of the time, it was with the disciples. He had 46 events in the, in the Gospels where he was talking to just the disciples, his 12, as opposed to only 17 times where he was ministering to the large crowds. Not saying we don't minister to the large crowds. There's a place for all of this. There's balance, remember? But it was a three-to-one ratio Jesus saw the value of multiplying himself and others because he knew one day he was going to heaven and these guys were going to carry on the work. It wasn't going to be the crowds that had hurt him from afar. It was going to be the ones that he did life with, that he invested in. And that's where he concentrated his discipleship was with the ones that he got up and ate breakfast with, the ones he walked along the road with. And that's how discipleship is most effective. You know, they say lecturing is the worst way for somebody to retain knowledge. And that's where our schools are based, you know, on lecturing. But the best way for people to learn and grow in the things of God is to, to see modeling going on, to do it with them, to show them hands-on. And that's what Jesus did. He used lecturing too. He, he preached from the pulpit and preaching is a, has its place. But there's other ways. How do we balance the five pillars of a healthy church? I know y'all getting ready to go. I heard some bells. We're about to close. Just this week, we had worship, evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, and ministry here at the church. We're having worship right now. We had it Wednesday night too. Yesterday we went door to door in evangelism at departments across the street. 
Three people got born again. We got to pray with all kinds of folks. We, and I was so excited. There were 10 people went with us. 10 of you guys showed up to go door to door out of a small church like this. Usually, you know, everybody's afraid, but you guys are breaking that barrier. And you're understanding that you can do it. And then the devil's a lie. We hit every door in those apartments across the street. And everybody that went, if, if there's somebody in here that went with us yesterday and regrets it, stand up and let us know. I believe everybody in here is, is overjoyed. They're feeling the joy that comes with sharing the gospel. Tonight we'll go to the jail. It's another event of evangelism we'll have this week. Discipleship. Well, we're talking about that unashamedly here today. We talked about it even in the men's meeting Thursday night. We talked about how men need friends these days. How friends were so important to us when we were growing up, but then we get married and we get some responsibility, and now it's like, well, that's just something that we did as a kid. But no, God says we need manly friendship, men. Women do too. You need companionship. Iron sharpens iron. And we, that's what we talked about. And Brother Van got on a roll and excited us all back there about that topic. And so, <clears throat> and that was our fellowship too for the week. The men's meeting. Got together and ate chicken strips. And I will say that some of the women in the church had the audacity to think that we couldn't do food for ourselves and they brought food for us. We know what you're up to. We know what you're doing. We're going to keep an eye on you. We had our own food. We would have been just fine without you. Maybe a little hungry, but we would have made it. So fellowship is laughing, is funny, is does good like a medicine. And then, of course, ministry. Well, where did we do ministry? Well, we're about to leave here and go to the nursing home today. And you're welcome to go with us. And they've moved it back to 3 o'clock, I guess. And so you're welcome to go. It's on your bulletin. tells you the address. We're going to go minister to some, some older saints who need some love. And it might be some evangelism going in in the process, but most of them are already saved, and they just need a little love, and that's ministry. We, not, we might not have the biggest church in the Mid-South, but I think we have the healthiest church that I've ever been a part of. And you know what? Healthy things grow. And as we keep doing what we're doing, you're going to keep wanting to have a church that you want to invite your friends to, and we will grow. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message about Christ in all its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. So let it fill you, and then you go and teach it. Come and learn that you may go and teach. So what do you do when you're at a prayer meeting and some infant comes in and steals the, steals the floor for 45 minutes? You give glory to God that they're not off watching pornography somewhere or doing something they were doing just weeks ago. You thank God that they're in a prayer meeting and that they're growing. You don't spank babies for pooping in their diapers. You just get them another diaper. Now, if they're 17 years old and they're still pooping in their diapers, it's a different story. But we all start out rookies. We're not supposed to stay there. We're, we're babes in Christ. It's where we go from here. That's what matters. If you're a babe in Christ, you're thinking, well, I'm just, I'm new here. I don't know all these things. It's not my fault. Relax. I can picture Jesus up there looking at you right now. Love, tears in his eyes. Just cooing over you. Hey, He's not in the least bit worried that you're still pooping your pants. You're good. Enjoy this time. But be 
prepared to grow. And before the uh, outreach yesterday, I called some of the more mature saints in the congregation that have witnessed and experienced. I said, you know, I, I got a feeling that our church is, is turning a corner here about our, our bravery, our courage is rising up. We're ready to begin to be hit the streets. We're going to need some of you more mature saints to, to come lead because we don't want to have 10 people come to somebody's door, you know, because we have a lack of leaders. And a lot of them showed up. And guess what? In the text that I sent them and asked them to come, I said, I can just picture the day we all see Jesus and he's going to come to you and hold your hand and look in your eyes and say, I bet the first thing he was going to say is, you taught my people to witness. See, that's why we do what we do. Because it pleases Jesus. You were created to please Jesus. Do everything as if you do it unto the Lord. Colossians 1.28 says, So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us. How do we do it? With whatever we have now. With all the wisdom that we have now. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. So keep growing, people. Don't despise small beginnings. Come and learn so that you can go and teach. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.